Hi, I'm Garth Tanner. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels and you're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Team Kelly pushes the eject button. FPR look at strategies to fix their strategy. And Townsville is just over a week away. It's the calm before the storm this week as the lights go out on the V8 Insiders. Taking the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. After two V8 supercar events ending with intense criticism, Kelly Racing has announced that they will be replacing Dale Wood in the high-tech oils car with Mark McNally. Although they go to pains to point out it was not because of the criticism. McNally will contest the main game, stepping away from his Fujitsu duties to concentrate on the job ahead. Trying to get to learn everything about the new team and how it works. I think I'm going to have enough on my plate just with um, the main series. Meanwhile, Dale Wood has said he does not believe his main game career is over and is not looking to step back to the Fujitsu series for the rest of the season. Kelly Racing has indicated that Wood is still in the enduro mix for the team. Ford Performance Racing's form slump has been noticed by ProDrive's David Richards and the team's poor runs over the past few rounds has prompted the FPR boss to head down under to review the operations of the team. Many insiders have said previously that FPR's team has struggled with race strategy over the years and with the format changes this season it would appear as though the team has not been able to manage the strategies as well as their rivals which has prompted Richards to make the trip to Australia early than his planned Bathurst appearance. Richards told Mark Fogarty of Auto Action that he did not believe that the technical rule changes were significant enough to have an effect on the performance of the team as it has had this season. Currently, Frosty is running in 8th place in the championship with teammate Stephen Richards in 17th. Well, if you're between Brisbane and Townsville over the next week and a half, look out for the Stone Brothers Racing Roadshows as it works its way north. They'll be in Gladstone and Rocky on July 3, Serena on July 4, then Mackay in July 5, with Ari and Charters Towers catching the pair on July 6. The trip will feature the pair on radio and having poster signings, which should be the perfect build-up to the inaugural Townsville 400. Talking Townsville, and it will naturally serve as the next instalment of Splittergate. The drama has cost, well, a couple of heads at V8 Supercars and caused Tony Cochran to take the reins. It is expected to be continued ahead of the biggest event in North Queensland history. Unfortunately, unless TC starts cracking some heads, you can expect more appeals and headlines to come from what is now the biggest farce 
since the last one. I'd say watch this space, but I think we are all over it. In other news now, sale talks between Intra Racing and Sharon Rentals have broken down with the team on Monday announcing that they would be going it alone for the time being, committing to the Townsville race. Intra Racing thanked everyone at Sharon Rentals for their support over the past months. Simon McNamara from Holden Motorsport has warned the V8 supercars that if the car of the future is too far removed from the Holden product, they would seriously consider withdrawing from the sport. V8 supercars have said they will have any manufacturer involvement or none. They do not believe it will hurt the series going forward. Jamie Wincup has said he hopes to have his future sorted out before stand-down. He has been rumoured to have had offers to go sports car racing in Europe, but it seems the champ would prefer to stay in Queensland for a few years yet. Jason Bright is feeling a lot better now his new FG Falcon is set to debut at Townsville, whilst Rodney Jane will be stepping into the Sonic Motorsports Fujitsu entry, replacing Bryce Washington at the Townsville support races. And finally, Paul Morris has jumped into a sprint car while on holidays in the US. It will be interesting to see if Morris has better things to say about American Speedway promoters than he told the VN Insiders about the Australian ones. They treat the competitors like shit, but the... the the racing's good. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders after the break. Andrew Clark and Luke West. Later in the show, we hear from High Tech Oil's new driver, Mark McNally. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen from the Stone Brothers Racing SP Tools. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Taking the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders, where this week it's the old firm of Andrew Clark and Luke West joining us once again from P101 and V8X Magazine. Guys, thanks for joining us. A bit worried about being called old. But it was the old firm. That means yeah, stability. That's, that's, you know, brownstone. Yeah, just trying to type into it whether it, whether it was old as in, you know, the old person at the helm or... You know, the old firm, because Luke and I have been around for so long, or because, you know, whatever. Luke, Luke's a fresh, baby-faced assassin on the world of V8 supercars, aren't you? Yeah, complete with Glenn Seaton's middle part. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it is the car of the future, and uh, it's normally hard for old people to change, but they've put Scafie in charge of developing the new look of the V8 supercars going forward. A pretty critical role, and they've probably picked someone who has got uh, certainly his heart in the right place of the, for the sport, Andrew. Yeah, I think Scape's a really important choice for this because he has um, he has like direct fan appeal. So whatever he comes up with, the fans will think, yeah, Scape, he knows what he's doing. But more importantly, like he's you know he's run his own team, so he's seen the cost of running the business. Um, and he's got manufacturer sympathy with his ties to Holden and so forth. So he pretty much understands the stakeholders around the table. Um, and I think that's a really positive thing in this sense that, 
past. You know, he's no longer got a stake in the sport, but he understands pretty much every facet of it. So, you know, I think he's uh, he's, he's well armed and, and well well positioned to do a very good job of this. What about you, Luke? What's your feelings on the way they're going about the uh, the future car rollout? Yeah, I actually have some very strong feelings on that. Before I get to that, I just want to make the point that I find it fascinating that it is Mark Scaife that is leading the charge. Uh, from the point of view is that if you think back to oh, 1990 through to 1992, his role in developing the Nissan GTR led to the formation of the eight supercars in the first place. He did such a good job developing that car into something that was pretty much unbeatable, except if it was nobbled, which it was. Hence, it was that flowed on to V8 supercars. So now he's got the leading role in developing the next generation of cars, given that we've had uh, the five-litre formula. It's, you know, it's evolved a little bit, but it's essentially the same formula that hit the tracks for the first time at the end of 1992. Now, the other thing I want to, the other point I want to make about the car of the future is that I reckon the first thing we all need to do as a sport, V8 supercar community, is uh, forget about motor racing, or at least V8 supercars as being a part of the motor industry. It's a sport in its own right, so we need to make it cost effective, so slash the cost of the producing, building, designing the car and not worry too much if we're going to get other manufacturers to play. What we've got is a really good formula. We should be trying to get income into the sport through TV rights and also especially sponsors, blue chip sponsors. We've got plenty of them in the sport and I think that gets overlooked. But don't let the motoring journalists say, ah, oh, they've developed a category that's irrelevant to uh, the motor industry. That doesn't matter. We may not get anyone to come and play in the V8 supercar sandpit. So we've got to make it as a sport in its own right, not as an extension of the motor industry. It, it, I must admit, I get, you know, like a bit amused and perhaps frustrated when you read all of these things where, you know, Ford and Holden are out there lobbying for what they got Simon McNamara in something this week saying, you know, if it becomes a silhouette formula, we're out. Who cares? You're not needed. You think you might think you're critical in this game, but you're yep. not. At the end of the day, you're there because you get a sponsor's benefit out of it. And then you see him talking about it, you know, it's got to retain a certain you know, a relationship to our road car. Well, pretty much the only thing that's related to the road car from that V8 supercar is certain parts of the body shell. You know, that runs a Ford front end. It runs a, you know, Ford rear end diff. You know, like, it's just so so far removed it's not funny. So I think, you know, you can sit back and you can say all of these things, but at the end of the day, if that body shell and the look is retained and the noise of a V8 supercar is retained, who cares what is underneath? And I think, entirely. I think the important thing is, like Luke was saying, it's WWE on wheels. We've got to get the cars to a an affordable point where they can do a bit of rubbing which makes before better racing as we have seen at the last couple of rounds where the uh, sticky tyre was introduced and then we can you know really concentrate on the new car and as you said if both cars look the same guess what leading the championship is a pig that's got nothing to do with Ford or Holden and I think Ford are you know, still reeling at the fact that uh, they have given away probably their best advertising bunny, but 
I guess at the end of the year they'll still be putting a championship trophy or a manufacturer's trophy in their boot whether they sponsor the team or not. The only thing you know at the moment is you cannot rely on how much money Ford and Holden have to spend on the sport in the future. You know, both of them are bleeding money in Australia um, and not to mention what's happening worldwide. I mean, you know, GM's in, in you know, essentially um, in liquidation trying to fight its way out of it. Um, Ford did some smarter moves when they were able to offload a couple of you know, Jaguar and, Land, and Range Rover at premium dollar. But at the end of the day, these companies are struggling big time. You know, if you're in chapter whatever it is, liquidation in the States... Yeah, how are they going to feel when they say, oh, well, we're just going to go out and spend another 20 million bucks on V8 supercars to sell another 20,000 Commodores? It just isn't going to gel at the end of the day. You know, there's more to it than this. There's more to it of, you know, I'm going to be in the sport. Um, there's business involved. And Luke, one thing that uh, fascinates me is uh, when you look at NASCAR, which of course everyone's talking about silhouette cars and that's exactly what NASCAR's done and they've got their price of building the car down to a, a very manageable level now by comparison to what it was. Here we have Toyota, the biggest newcomer in that series, going, why are we involved? The executive that made the decision to put Toyota into NASCAR now works at Ford, and there's some Toyota officials walking around going, now, we're not doing so well. Why are we in this sport again? Yeah, it's a worry, isn't it? Well, it's a worry for NASCAR. I don't think it needs to be a worry for V8 supercars at all. If you have a look at the car of tomorrow, the NASCAR, the current shape of the NASCAR, They've made a huge boo-boo there in making it not look like the road cars. V8 supercars, they, as Andrew has suggested, there's not much in common with the road car. or The, the race car doesn't have much in common with the road car other than the basic silhouette and the shape. And the look of our V8 supercars are bang on. We won't ever have to go down the NASCAR route of having common body shells because we don't race on high-speed ovals. That's what's dictated, that all the NASCARs look the same except for the stickers and uh, a little bit of styling treatment at the front. We don't have to worry about getting the aero bang on exactly the same given that we race on uh, road circuits. It's so important to remember, like, people watch touring car racing because they do look you know, similar similar to road cars. If yep. they didn't want to watch a touring car, they'd go out and watch, you know, Formula 3 or Formula 1 or whatever. You know, and touring car racing in this world retains its popularity because, you know, some bloke can sit there and think, huh, that's the car I drive, no matter how far removed it is. And it doesn't matter what top-line touring car class you look at, you know, the race car is, is massively removed from the road car, and it has to be, otherwise people would be dying every second day. You know, so there's no real relationship except that the body shell and certain parts of the DNA, um, importantly the engine, is, is all part of it. Um, and that's all you really need to retain. If you retain the body shell and the engine, I don't care what goes on underneath. Mm, exactly right. Hey, we need to take a break on the V8 Insiders. We'll be back with plenty more right after this. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Tony Delberto from Rod Nash Racing. You're listening to V8 Insiders. 
take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders, where Luke West, the voice of the Fujitsu series, and Andrew Clark from P101 join me, Craig Ravel. And firstly to you, Luke, because uh, a couple of changes in that Fujitsu field, well, um, one in fact, we've got Mark McNally making his move to high-tech oils. And I was interested when I spoke to him to ask him why he didn't even just enter a car in the Fujitsu series so he could get those extra test sessions in a track that no one's driven before. I would have thought every lap up there would have just given you some edge, but uh, he explains in the white flag lap this week that he doesn't think the cars are similar enough. Huge edge. No, not when you take into consideration, Craig, that uh, there are huge costs of entering a Fujitsu series car. I'm sure he's scraping together all the money he's got so he can uh, take the step into the main game. And, look, he's really throwing himself in the cauldron, isn't he? If you look at the way the rules run this year, with uh, fast cars going slow at some point in the race and being amongst uh, what would normally be the, the group that qualifies in the bottom third of the field and the whole field just being shaken up one way or another, we've seen the back markers in amongst the front runners. So those back markers are having to be on their best behaviour and poor old Dale Wood copped it, didn't he, left, right and centre. Whether it was his fault or not, the uh, clashes that he had when, uh, I guess, most uh, prominently with James Courtney, but also up in Darwin. So those blokes who are learning the craft in the main game, and that includes Mark McNally from the the Townsville weekend onwards, they're in the mix one way or another. They used to be able just to run round and learn the craft at the rear of the field. Not the pressure's on them now, and Mark is really going to uh, have to step up. Is I this the learning? The learning curve is is steeper than most people think in these things. I mean, yeah, you watch guys jump from the Fujitsu series, and they do incredibly well there, and then they get into the main game, and it's tough. You know, it's a completely different world, and. You know, I think if you were going to make that step and do the Fujitsu round as well as the new round at a new track, none of his team know any, have any data they can share with him. You know, we're back to scratch on this thing. Mm. So I think that if he was going to try and do it all, um, it'd be too much to take, and I reckon you'd, uh, you'd end up stuffing up big time. So I think he's done the right thing. All right, then. Now, one other story down that end of the grid is from Interracing. They were looking at selling to Sharon Rentals, but... This week, it was announced that uh, they are not going to proceed. And uh, I thought the press release, the statement was very well done, Andrew. It was very professional, and uh, it does show that uh, interracing, although they're doing it tough, are able to still uh, do things very professionally. Yeah, I think, I mean, they, they're a team that they came along this year, and I think they've done some pretty good things, um, especially when, you know, you, you're running a, or your spine sponsor's running a finance business, and all of a sudden you're hit by this economic crisis that, uh, that melts down in front of your very eyes. You know, and there's no doubt they've done it tough. Um, I reckon Marcus Marshall's got a lot more to show the sport than, he's act- than, than we've seen from him yet. Um, you know, he's just got to get some stability. He's got to find some way of holding things together. 
Um, we can all speculate on Sharon and, and what's gone on there. Um, you know, we know it had to go to a board approval to, for the purchase, um, and we know that um, the purchase is not going ahead. You know, most of us can draw you know, two and two and try to work out what went on, but uh, <clears throat> you know, if, if, if I was in V8 Supercars board and somebody came to me and said, here, I want to buy this team, and you looked at their, their work history and they found out that uh, they'd run you know, the Carrera Cup and the mini-series and both of them had gone bankrupt, you'd, uh, you'd have some doubts. Um, whether that's the reason, I honestly don't know. Um, whether it's fallen over because they're just another bunch of tyre kickers, which uh, V8 Supercars seems to attract with monotonous regularity, I don't know. Um, because, as you say, the uh, beautifully crafted press release, um, while it makes a statement, it doesn't uh, doesn't reveal all, uh, which is probably what a good press release should do. Luke, uh, it is getting tougher, and Tony has said he wants to get the numbers down, and uh, we don't want us really all. We don't want to see people going broke going motor racing, but... Um, you know, you do have to have a mix of teams at the front end and teams at the back end. Yeah, I guess that's pretty much on the money. What you don't want to do is deplete your second tier, which has occurred this year, which is the Fujitsu Series. It's uh, great that some opportunities have come up for Fujitsu Series teams to step up, but uh, that field is just starting to thin out a little bit, and increasingly so with Mark McNally pulling out of the Fujitsu series to run the main game. The Fioris that are running for Triple F Racing, they were planning to run in the development series this year, but had the opportunity to buy that licence or to get involved in the game through the team Kiwi licence, the main game that is. So they uh, have just leapt straight in there. So it is depleting the Fujitsu series just a little bit, which is a worry. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. So I don't know if this is when we're talking about it, but uh, if you manage to cut the cost of running the main game, you will cut the cost, cut the cost of running the Fujitsu series. Um, and in this day and age, like you know, if you want to have a, the Fujitsu field like it was you know, perhaps three or four years ago when it was a really hotly contested, great learning ground for these drivers. You know, it was a great place to go racing, a great racing to watch. Um, then you've got to deal with that. You must make it affordable. You have to do it so that these guys who are trying to, to nudge their way into the main game can afford to do it. Um, and, you know, there's a couple of operations there that are really serious and, and very well run and all of those things, but there's an awful lot of people scratching um, just to put the fuel in the truck to drive it to the track. Mm. Well, gas and go time now, everyone. Five questions, three minutes, starting from... Three minutes each? No, three minutes total, starting from now. Luke West, when do the V8 supercars get to cut the franchises down to that 29 number? Well, maybe it's already happening with uh, the knockback or at least the uh, no-go situation for Sharon Rentals. Perhaps it's happening right now and the machinations behind the scenes uh, starting that cutback. Who knows? Luke? Uh, Andrew? Uh, I don't think they need to. Um, I think they say you get the cost of running the sport down, they can keep their 30 franchise and have it running quite successfully. Um, 30 is a nice round number. It's got a zero in it. Why does the sport continue to burn non-race people but crucify team men when they get into V8 Supercars Australia? Andrew? <laughs> to be very cynical here, I think that... Um, um, being an ex-team man and moving on to V8 Supercars Australia is probably the toughest gig you can do. 
um, I think we forget how competitive the sport is, how much um, pressure is on from one team to another to win, um, and the engineers feel that just the same way that the um, that the drivers do. The team owners feel it from one to another. So I think you take somebody from a team, stick them into V8 Supercars Australia, there will be an adjustment phase that is very awkward and very hard. Um, and um, I would suggest that very few people um, will have the ability to get over that. Can we take people from teams and put them into the organisation? And likewise, can we take people uh, from non-motor racing backgrounds and bring them in? You've got to be very careful bringing non-motor racing people in because um, you know it is it is it is a, a sport that relies on knowledge. Um, but that said, I think if you were talking in the administrative side of the sport, you could do that so long as you brought people in who understood team-based sport with multiple stakeholders. And you know, it's like um, you know, whether it's a legal partnership or anything along those lines. You just need to understand the business structure and find people skilled in that business structure. If you're talking the motorsport arm, that's a completely different world. That must be motorsport people. Um, <clears throat> ideally, they'll be V8 they'll be V8 supercar people. What you've actually got to hope at the end of the day when that happens is that uh, some of these people can actually act like grown-ups and get over the fact that that person was once their competitor but can do the job that they're being paid to do. And to me, if anybody wants to try and suggest that Campbell Little doesn't act with the utmost integrity, then they're acting like a fool. Luke, your thoughts? Yeah, if you want to attract good people, you have to treat them right. And those good people, such as Campbell Little, for the reasons that Andrew pointed out, are going to go off and find something else to do because they're in demand for their skills. There's always fishing to do. They're exactly right, and work on your golf game. They don't have to be involved. Most of these people are motor racing, uh, are very passionate about their motor racing, and if they're not enjoying their job, then go and find something else to do. If Formula One has the Piranha Club. I don't know what you call it in V8 supercar land, but it's probably the shark pool. Can, can Tony, Luke, turn around a world recession to ensure the series does not have to do any negative cutbacks? Yeah, well, he's the man he, when he needs to make the tough decisions over the, what is it now, probably 14 years of his involvement in the sport, he's been able to force through the stuff that he knows the sport needs to move forward. That will be the case again. He will cut costs. He is Jack the Slasher, and uh, he's pulled out the machete, and he's cutting as we speak. I think um, Tony Cochran will do what is right for the sport in that sense as a business. <clears throat> Whether he does the right thing for... You know, for fans or for XYZ, I don't think is his concern in a sense because <clears throat> if he keeps the business running right, then you've got competition on the racetrack and that brings the fans in the door. <clears throat> and he will look at it. He will look at the cost base of the sport. He's flagged he's doing that. Anybody in this day and age who is not doing that is foolish. Um, he may not, or the sport may not feel, you know, the lack of money in the world at the moment because a lot of people are on contracts that run XYZ, period. Um, but those contracts will run out end of the day, you have to make sure that your costs are right, otherwise you're going to die. You're preempting my next question, Andrew. Will the teams finally allow cost-cutting to go through? They've stalled and stymied it at every turn. Um, on the current structure of V8 supercars, I say no, they can't. Um, I think that um, a couple of teams or a few teams that are incredibly well-funded, incredibly well-resourced, have too much power and too much say as to what goes on. And in a board where you're talking two independents to four team owners, 
Um, it's just not going to happen. Um, the only way you will get that part of the sport sorted out is once you get the board structure sorted out, which is to have not one single team owner on the board. Luke? Agree entirely with Andrew. Can you see Townsville knocking Adelaide off its perch as the best race meeting of the year? It's hard when you haven't even been there. Yeah, exactly right. Well, I think it's going to be a huge success. What was it, a million dollars worth of ticket sales on the opening day of ticket sales for Townsville? So it's going to be big. doesn't quite have the same population of Adelaide. It's only, uh, what is it, about 150,000 people in the immediate drawing area for Townsville as opposed to a million for Adelaide. But that's not to say it's not going to be a success in its own right, but I just don't think it's going to knock Adelaide off. We've had uh, 10 or 11 years of steady growth for the Clipsal 500. It's got bigger and better every year. Crowd, you know, we didn't quite get the record crowd this year, but in terms of the facilities, in terms of everything, uh, uh, South Australia is still the benchmark and Townsville can aspire to it. We'll get pretty close it's going to take many years to knock Adelaide off. Andrew? My question would be is, does it need to? Yeah, at the end of the day, I think that uh, Eclipseville 500 is probably one of the most amazing mow races in the world. Um, and I think if you set up a new race, whether it be at Townsville or Homebush, um, the question is, does it have to take it off? Like, you know, the two can coexist quite nicely. They will bring a different character to the sport. They'll be completely different events. You know, it's not like you could ever say Canberra and Adelaide were the same or, you know, the Indy race is the same. You know, they bring different elements to the sport and I think we should just, you know, stop comparing and just let it get on and um, I think Townsville's going to be a huge success. Well, guys, it's a pleasure to have you on the V8 Insiders once again. Looking forward to what we see up there in Townsville. Do you think Townsville's going to give one of these younger drivers with uh, perhaps less experience in V8 supercar racing a, a big chance to get their first or second wins? No, I would say no. We don't have the sprint tyre, the soft option in play for the Townsville weekend, so that's a huge advantage. That's not to say Michael Caruso didn't deserve his victory. He certainly did in Darwin, but uh, was certainly enhanced or uh, helped. His cause was helped by having uh, the right strategy on the sprint tyre. And I think a uh, you know, new racetrack, completely unknown. Um, yeah, like it's not even like you can go and have a look at what Formula One did when they went to Bahrain. Like, you know, we're starting from absolute scratch here. Um, and I think that it favours the teams with the most resources to do that properly. So I actually think it plays more into the hands of the, the guys who have the... Unless you, um, you happen to just have a bit of luck, like, you know, say, Paul Radisic did with Team Kiwi in China. Hmm. Well, guys, thanks for joining us once again on the V8 Insiders. The white flag lap is up next, and it is the newest member of the V8 Supercar Drivers Club, Mark McNally. We'll be back with that after this break. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth from the Valvoline Cummins team. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. 
Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. On this week's White Flag Lap, we talk to the newest face in V8 Supercar's main game, Mark McNally. Congratulations on your conferment to the top series. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, pretty exciting news. I guess if you ever wanted to start at a track, a track which no one's ever raced at before must be as level of playing field as you'll ever get in this game. Yeah, look, um, that's definitely one way of looking at it, and I'm trying to, well, I'm hoping that it's <laughs> going to slow the other guys down a little bit. Because obviously uh, I'm jumping in a bit uh, at the deep end when everyone's already up to speed after a few races throughout the year. So uh, fingers crossed it slows them down a little bit, but um, I don't think it's taken long to, to hit their straps. After serving your apprenticeship in the Fujitsu series, I guess initially you'd be just trying to get that enduro drive. So to hear you finishing off the season must give you a lot of confidence about how people are perceiving your work. Yeah, look, it's um, it's really great to, to have been given the opportunity. Obviously, the Enduros were um, my main aim this year. Coming from the Fujitsu series, I really wanted to, to get a crack at doing the Enduros. And then just, um, it's funny the way things pan out. The, uh, the team come to me and said, how would you like to um, get a few miles in before the Enduros? And obviously, it's something uh, that I'm uh, definitely keen to, to grab a hold of. Having run in the Fujitsu series up to this point, knowing that it was a double header and it's a brand new racetrack, did that ever make you think, well, maybe I should enter for the Fujitsu race, at least get those practices, even if you didn't do the racing? Or are the cars just too different? Um, to be honest, I don't know how different the cars are because I haven't actually driven the uh, the Hypertorus racing Commodore yet. Um, the first time I'm going to jump in, that car will be in P1. Then... Look, to run both, it would um, obviously give me a lot more track time. The switching between the sequential gearbox and the standard H-pattern of the Fujitsu series and trying to get to learn everything about the new team and how it works, I think I'm going to have enough on my plate just with um, the main series. What are your realistic goals then to come out of Townsville? Look, I'm not actually basing um, you know, any uh, results um, sort of goals, really. I want to get in there, I want to get comfortable in the car, comfortable with the team, string both races together, finish both races, try and get every lap in and just learn while I'm out there the whole time. And look, um, I'm sure that um, come at some stage throughout the weekend, I'll um, be definitely missing up the pace and hopefully being able to run with the main bunch. Congratulations on the elevation, as I said before, and we all look forward to seeing you out there at the Townsville 400. Yeah, thanks very much. I can't wait to get up there and um, mix it with the main series. We look forward to seeing Mark out there on the track in Townsville. My thanks to Luke West and Andrew Clark as the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Next week, it's Townsville preview time. Keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.